Welcome to episode 17. Are you losing weight too slowly or maybe you've started a diet and you're not shifting any fat? Today, I'm going to talk about four specific factors that are directly linked to your weight loss outcome that most people haven't even considered. So, let's do it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? I hope that you are loving life this week, although here in Melbourne, Australia, summer is beginning to draw to a close. And although the summer is disappearing, the summer here in Australia is often quite savage. And now that we're rolling around to the end of summer, I'm actually looking forward to a reprieve from the heat, Um, especially since I don't have an air conditioner in my apartment, which is horrible on those 40, 40 degree days, 38 42, whatever horrible temperature it gets to with no air conditioner. <laughs> um, though, having said that, this summer wasn't too bad. So, um, But don't get me wrong, give it two months and the Melbournians will be complaining about the shitty rain that they're now getting. <laughs> so, uh, Melbourne is is a really inconsistent weather patterns. It is is virtually as inconsistent as my relationship with going to the gym, (laughs) which this week I happen to hate. (laughs) So so before I get into today's topic, I really want to thank everybody that's subscribed, rated and reviewed. It's been, we've been on the air eight weeks now and we are at 1500 downloads, which is far better than I actually expected at all to go. So um, thank you so much to everybody that has done so that it's taken a screenshot and shared it through your Instagram story, uh, told a friend, whatever you've done to contribute to sharing this information that I'm trying to get out there to the wonderful ears of humans in the world. Thank you so much for your support. And um, I'm really glad that you are here along for the journey. I have so, so much more to come and so much more to deliver to you that will improve your lives. I can guarantee it. So thank you so much. All right. Without further ado, I'm going to jump into today's episode. So I want to talk about a few different things, four specifically, that have to do with uh, fat loss and more importantly, uh, for people that aren't losing fat fast enough, a lot of people's expectations are often not in line with their goals. Uh, I have a reframing tool that I use with clients when they come to me. So I generally offer a six, nine or 12 week program depending on the individual and the goals. And uh, it's really important first to get your head in the game. So before I jump into all four of them, I just want to share this with you. It's that simply that a lot of people might come to me say they're, you know, they want to lose 20 kilos. Uh, They want to get back to their old self and, you know, live life and they've got grandkids or they've got kids and they're just not able to keep up and they're as their kids grow, they're like wearing out more and more and they you've got this, you know, really strong emotional drive that, that you know, they don't want to be incapacitated or unable to engage in their children's life. And so they come to me and they say, all right, yep, want to do the, the six-week program or the 12-week program. And I say, great, that's awesome. I'm so excited to move forward. So you want to lose, what's the goal here? You want to lose 20 kilos. Yep. And they're like, yep, 12 weeks. I want to go hard. I want to go, you know, as radical as, impos- as possible, which is completely against against my approach. My approach is sustainable health, right? And it's long-term sustainable results. So, to reframe their expectations, because most people go into their weight loss journey with incorrect expectations, I want you to use this. I want you to use this. So, when somebody comes to me, 12 weeks, they want to lose 20 kilos, I say, great. 
when was the last time you were 20 kilos lighter? And most people say, oh, say, you know, say the person's 45. They might think back and they'll be like, oh, probably when I was about 32. I say, okay, so so you're 45. So you want to, in the next 12 weeks, you want to shift a 13-year-old problem. You want to shift 13 years worth of bad habits and weight and fat in 12 weeks. And then people start realizing that, mm, yep, that's a pretty insane goal, right? And requires extreme radical intervention, which is not my general approach because it is not sustainable. And usually, just like all the biggest loser contestants, they end up fatter when they've finished. It's like the before image is fat, the after image is skinny, and then the after after image is even fatter than began. <laughs> it's it's terrible. That's it's not useful to human function. It's not useful to improving people's lives long term and permanently. So I use this reframing tool. So I just wanted to share that with you so that you can maybe reframe your own journey and have the right expectations on your own journey. So I want to get into these four things. They're big. They're most people don't think about them. That's why I'm specifically talking about them today, because I want to put them into your conscious thinking when you're on a diet or when you're just eating in general and you know, looking after your body. So, number one is you eat more calories than you think. Obviously, you're probably thinking, well, okay, that probably makes sense. But I want to talk specifically about hidden calories, okay? So, a lot of people overeat. That's often why most people are overweight. Remember, if you're overweight, you've for a long time consumed too many calories for your body and your body has put it into storage. Your body has put it over there for a rainy day or rather actually genetically speaking, put it over there for a famine or a period of time when you don't eat right? So, the idea is that you've been in excessive calorie consumption for a very long period of time. And the idea now that you want to lose the fat, you want to burn what you've put in storage, is that you want to be in a calorie deficit so that your body then is forced to go to the fat stores to gain that energy, right? So, but the problem is that even on a diet or even on a meal plan or whatever you might be on, that we consume a lot of hidden calories, okay? And I want to highlight some of these calories so that when you're adding them to your food or cooking with them or consuming them, you go, whoa, hang on, I've got to factor these calories in, okay? Or remove them from your diet so that you can get more whole real food in, all right? So, we're going to start with sauces. So, we're talking tomato sauce, barbecue sauce. Uh, Even if you're cooking something healthy, uh, you know, we've got like sauces and additives that go in salads, like, um, you know, pre-made salad dressings, absolutely loaded with sugar, right? And they're calories. There's lots of calories in this uh, this liquid that actually doesn't make us feel full whatsoever and doesn't really contribute to a full feeling, which therefore means we continue to eat, right? We put in excess calories. We've got pasta sauces, lasagna sauces, the amount of thick, sugary sauces that you can buy at the supermarket for different layers of a lasagna, they there are hundreds and hundreds of calories in those servings. And the problem is too that a lot of those calories are coming from refined processed sugar, which is so savagely damaging to your system, skinny, fat, whatever your situation is, right? So, the other one is beverages. Most people don't factor in what they, unless you're drinking water, whatever, like plain water, whatever is in your beverage is adding to your calorie consumption, right? And a lot of people just don't think to factor that in. And we're talking like coffee, 
coffee. There's plenty of calories in coffee, especially because most people consume it with cow's milk. Now, I would obviously advise most people move to a non-dairy source in the interest of their gut health, and it's definitely going to aid how you feel in a weight loss journey. Um, but you know, milk carries a lot of calories, and there's a lot of sugar, and people often add sugar to to their coffee, and this adds calories. So, but people forget to add in their drinks during the day. And pe- and like say sports drinks, say you go to the gym and you buy a sports drink. Um, and I would recommend talking about sports drinks that you go and check out episode 13, where I talked about electrolytes. Sports drinks are just loaded with sugar. Some of them are, um, and like the average Gatorade is about 200 calories of sugar additive processed and refined, obviously. So, you've got to remember to factor these things in. There's hidden calories in food all the time. So, as always, as you hear me say all the time, whole real food. You, you can't there's nothing added to whole real food, right? So, and any anything that you do need to use to flavor, I always say to people, you want to get, move away from sauces and dressings and you want to move over to herbs and spices because herbs and spices are whole real food, okay? So, that's a, a better way and a healthier way to, to flavor your food and drinks as well. There's lots of options there too. So, number one is you're consuming more calories than you think through these hidden calories. Number two, you burn less calories than you think, okay? And it's, I want to preface what all of the stuff I'm about to say about this point with don't mistake tiredness for physical effort, okay? So, when you go to the gym, you know, it's often really hard and, you know, it's really intense. And if you are overweight or you're trying to shift weight, then remember your 100% or your 50% or 70% is not equal to that of, say, your trainer, so, if two people do 100% effort and one person is excessively overweight and one person is extremely fit, then the person who is extremely fit is going to burn more calories. And remember, they started where you are too. So, it's not a matter of being like, oh, I'll never be that person. You're just on your journey. But on your journey, you need to factor in that you're probably not burning as many calories as you think because your 100% is a limited capacity to where you're going to be in a month or where you're going to be in two months right? Your 100% is going to get better and more as you go along this journey. So, you've got to factor in that you're not, not burning as much as you think. So, and the thing is too, import does not equal the same calorie of fat burning result per individual. Every single person is different. So, if you eat a sweet potato, um, how much calories, you know, depending on the size of the sweet potato, how many calories you've just put into your body does not equal a proportional amount of output because your body has different functions. And of course, when you're overweight, your body has more functions to do, which is why, you know, you're so labored by by the weight that you're carrying. So, it's important that you remember that, 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 that it's not a proportional transition for the food you've consumed. So, and you're on that path too. So, remember being tired or worn out is not an appropriate metric for measuring calorie burning or measuring your results. Feeling worn out one day might mean that you didn't do much and feeling worn out the next day might mean you actually did a heap of stuff, right? So, remember, your level of tiredness is not not an appropriate metric to calculate or measure how your fat loss journey is going. Um, and so, continuing on with this theme of burning less calories than you think, <laughs> this uh, they actually did a study with calorie burning and sex. So, 
Much like most things when it comes to sex, people uh, assume far more than is true. (laughs) So they did this study and they found that for women, they burn 70 calories, only 70 calories during sex, and men only burn 100. And that's on average. So obviously, sometimes it's a little more, sometimes it's a little less. And it's probably this number because sex doesn't go for as long as everybody likes it to. (laughs) <laughs> it's so it's a pretty low number, right? So even if you're a regularly sexual, you're st- it's not really contributing that much to your overall fat loss or health journey. So remember, this is just another example of where we're making the mistake of over uh, over assuming that we've done more than we actually have. So the point is, during physical exercise, we burn a lot less than we might expect, especially if we have not appropriately monitored your cal- the calories going in, right? So that's also... So all these things work in combination, of course. And remember too, for anyone that doesn't have a physical job, like a laborer or a tradie, you're really not burning that many calories, at least not an amount that would have a significant impact on your fat loss. So sitting at your desk all day is is not going to really contribute to your fat loss journey. Of course, it's, it's very logical. And even if you get to the end of the day and you're mentally fatigued because actually you've done a lot of thinking, yes, you've burned a bit of fat and a bit of glucose, but it's not going to have a significant impact on the level of fat loss that you are trying to achieve. And remember, as I preface this at the start, your level of tiredness is not a reflection at all on the amount of physical effort you've done. So, it's really important to not, you know, you've still got to get to the gym, you've still got to get the right food in, you've still got to cook, even if you're tired, because just being tired doesn't mean that you spent that energy losing fat. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. All right, number three, and this, I've said this before on the podcast and you'll continue to hear me say this, and that is that the, the more and more research and education and study that I do into nutrition, this point number three that I'm talking about today is the most important. Every time I look into the data, this comes up as the most important for a, for a plethora of reasons, and that is lack of sleep. Okay, lack of sleep is so important to your health and nutrition journey. It's lit, like I just said, it's the most important factor, right? And people need to start adding that level of weight 
to how important it is. Otherwise, people are going to continue to have these same negative results. So, why? So, fat burning happens most of the time when you're deep into a fasting window or you're, you, it's the furthest since you've eaten last. And when is that most likely for everyone to have happened? When you are asleep because you usually haven't eaten, if you're being good, you haven't eaten immediately before bed, which is going to make sleeping a little bit easier. And you're usually you've gone hours into the night without processing and metabolizing foods. And therefore, you're in your deepest fasting window. And therefore, that's when your body has to move into a little bit more fat burning than it might when you're putting uh, sugar and carbs in during the day, right? So, you're deepest into your fat burning window when you are asleep. And as logic would have it, the longer and deeper you sleep, the more fat burning that you will get as a result, okay? So, that's a really simple logical equation right there. Um, next one, your immune function increases when you're asleep. So, when you, you know when you wake up in the morning and you feel really groggy or snotty, you've got full sinuses or you've got a sore throat, that is at its worst in the morning because your body has been asleep and the immune functions have been running to kill negative bacteria, toxic bacteria, to detox your system and push out push out of the physical body the things that are not good for you. That's why you wake up because your body's just been in three, four, five, six, seven, eight hours worth of immune function. So, it's cleaning up, right? And remember, when you're asleep, your body doesn't have to process light images, advertising, you know, relationships, you know, being polite to people, the navigating traffic, you know, social media. All our priorities are gone when we're asleep. You know, there's obviously, when we're asleep, there's obviously stress when we're thinking about different things, but we have a massive reduction in mental input that's coming through our senses and therefore our body is able to reprioritize its resources to do this fat burning and to do this immune function and this type of thing. So, lack of sleep is so important and what do I mean by lack? I mean anything less than seven hours. They've done so many studies on sleep and it's so rare genetically that you're actually capable of surviving a healthy life on less than seven hours. So, most people need seven to nine hours hours and if it's a bragging point for you that you can function on five, well, that's great. You're just going to really struggle with your health more than I will, right? So, don't make it a bragging point, okay? Don't make your tiny amount of sleep and your massive hustle at work a bragging point because it will kick you in the ass in the long run. No doubt about it. The research supports it very strongly. So, and the other thing is, and I'm sure you can attest to this. Are you, are you ever tired and you just can't be bothered cooking or you're driving home late from work and you just, this happens to me actually, like when I, there's four pizza places in between myself and the hospital that I work at. There's four. And if I leave work late, it means those, those shops are open and they're cooking. And oh my God, it smells so good. <laughs> And if I'm also tired, the temptation to walk into those places is obviously a hundred times more difficult to compete with in my mind. There is a reason for this and it's directly, collect, connect, it's directly connected to lack of sleep. So, when you have a lack of sleep and it only takes one night of four hours or less and it, and it only takes one night of sleep deprivation for this to have an impact and that is that when you have a lack of sleep, your frontal lobe function decreases. Now, why is that? of interest because in your function because in your frontal lobe that is where rational and logical thinking occurs 
right? That's where it happens. That's where you can say, no, nah, I shouldn't have that bit of food. You know, I don't need it. It's bad for my health. And you can move on with your day and not even be caught up on the fact that you didn't just walk in there and you're really tempted, right? So when frontal lobe function is affected, which is just one night, and most people are living on years worth of sleep deprivation, then their logical and rational thinking and ability to talk themselves out of going into bad health and food choices is massively limited, right? So you really want to get good sleep so that when you walk past pizza places or when you drive past, you know, any fast food outlet that's normally a weakness of yours, it's not a weakness because you've got plenty of sleep and even though you're tired from work, you're still well slept, okay? So number three, lack of sleep. Make sure you get into bed early. Make sure seven to nine hours. And if you're someone that says, oh, I can't really sleep longer than six, that's because the last time you slept eight hours a night was, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years ago. You've got to rebuild that muscle. So tomorrow night, Start with six hours and 15 minutes and do that for a week or two and then go to six hours, 30. You know, just because you tried one night to sleep for eight hours and it didn't work out doesn't mean that that's it. You can't do it. Doesn't mean it's impossible. It's like anything. It's like anything, like this weight loss journey that you're on, right? It's, you know, it's difficult in the beginning. It's not easy. You've got to build those muscles so that you can then become good at it. It's the same with sleep. You've got to retrain your hormones, which dictate your sleep and awakeness and your hunger and satiety and these types of things. It's your hormones that need retraining through the sleep regime that you implement. So make sure you implement it correctly over a period of time so you can develop your sleep muscle. All right, number four, the final one. And I'm a big proponent of this. I do it with all my clients. I do it with all my public speaking. And it is talking about fasting. So number four, most people that are on a weight loss journey or any kind of health journey, really, their feeding window is too large. Too large. And what do I mean by that? I mean that most people wake up, they have breakfast, they have morning tea, they have lunch, they have afternoon tea, they have dinner, they have a snack after dinner. And you know what's happened in that time? About 12 to 14 hours has happened, meaning that their body is only in a fasting state for about, what is it, 10 to 12 hours a day. Okay. And that is not enough time for you to get the benefits of fat loss, right? Because remember, I said earlier that most of your fat loss happens when you're asleep. Okay, and that means that you're the deepest into your fasting window when you're deep asleep. So, the idea is that you want to create a smaller feed window in the days, and and it's not just not just the time factor, right? There's an important hormone called insulin, which is up and about in the body, processing the metabolism of sugar and carbs, and and you know distributing things in different directions, and it uh, goes up when you consume sugars and carbs and goes down when you're not eating, right? And therefore, you can go longer. Therefore, you can go longer not eating and insulin drops. It drops and drops and drops and drops and the lower it drops, the higher your fat burning goes because once insulin drops, that means that burning sugar and carbs is dropping. You need that means that fat is going to come up. So you're always in a ratio of fat to glucose, right? But as the glucose depletes in the system, the fat goes up. But if you're always in a feed window, you're always putting food in, you're not giving your body an opportunity to enter into fat burning state. It's a relationship where the longer you're not eating for, then the lower insulin will go. Obviously, it eventually stops at some point, but it means that the deeper you are into a fasting window, the deeper you are into fat burning. Okay, and that's where we want to be. We want to be burning fat. Now, remember, this is not talk. We're not talking about calorie restriction or deprivation here. Uh, the idea is that we're just moving the calories into a window. Now, I, I usually get 
uh, point one for my clients is to get them to 16.8. So 16 hours a day fasting, which means water only, and eight hours into the feed window. So in, And in that window, we have breakfast, lunch, dinner, you know, everything we need for that particular individual. Um, and I recommend for lots of information about what intermittent fasting is, and more importantly, what it is not, check out um, episode seven of the podcast. I talked about intermittent fasting specifically. Now, um, this is obviously important for people that are overweight and obese because that's usually the main precursor to diabetes. Um, a lot of people are pre-diabetic and, and you know, in the US, we're at one in four. In Australia, the, the number is uh, we're about 6%, 6 to 10% of the population are diabetic. And it's in my lifetime, the, the data that I was looking at was recorded in 80, 89 to 90. 1989 to 90. Um, in my lifetime, the precedence of diabetes has tripled. Okay. So that's obviously exceptionally concerning and is a worldwide problem, which is very common in Western countries. So the, um, the idea, of course, is that with type, and I'm talking type 2 diabetes here, is that it's a, it's a metabolic disease of insulin, right? Most people have problems with their insulin and it's too high and their body becomes you know, resistant or lacks sensitivity and it's, insulin doesn't do its job properly. And also, by the way, lack of sleep negatively influences the body's capacity to operate with insulin. So the idea is that you know, fasting could benefit people that are pre-diabetic or diabetic because the idea is they need their insulin to drop. And to do that, you need to give your body a bigger window in fasting. It's a natural thing that happens in the human body, right? So, and uh, this is important. Intermittent fasting is a good practice to get into to just completely avoid pre-diabetes and diabetes anyway. Like the prevalence in the US of child diabetics and adult diabetics is horrific. So, if you don't have it, getting in this practice is good for your insulin levels like period, no matter what. So, um, I highly recommend checking out episode seven so you can learn a bit more about intermittent fasting. So, they're the four major things that I wanted to talk about today because they're just things that people don't usually think about. The hidden calories in food, the, the fact that they're burning less less uh, calories than they think and, and even despite that, remember that uh, diet is always more important than physical act- activity but physical, act- physical activity must be in there somewhere. Uh, lack of sleep, sort your sleep out seven to nine hours and make a bigger fasting window every day. Make sure your feeding window is a little smaller than it might otherwise be. Okay. These are the four important things I needed to share with you because these are the four things that most people don't do. And virtually most people I speak to aren't even considering these. So whether you yourself or someone you know is on a weight loss journey of any kind, I highly suggest that you acknowledge these four things because they're very powerful. Even if you implement the sleep one, start with the sleep. That's the most important. Sleep is the most important. Nutrition next and physical activity after that. They're all really important, but if you have to prioritize, follow that order. And of course, no matter the diet you're on, no matter the lifestyle you live, you can introduce an intermittent fasting schedule. All right. Thanks for being here with me again. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for being here. I love sharing this information um, and I usually have to cap myself. I look at the clock right now and I'm thinking, oh shit, I've been talking too long. I've got to chill out. These people have got lives to live. Um, so, remember, if you, if you like this or you know anybody that could benefit, please share this with a friend, share it on social media. And for those on Instagram, the best way to help grow this podcast organically is to take a screenshot of this episode and put it as your Instagram. 
Instagram story and please be sure to tag myself. And if you listen to the one with any of the guests, be sure to tag the guests. All that information is always in the show notes. So thank you so much. You can find me on Instagram at Maddie Lansdowne. Easy. You can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever your preferred medium is. And that's it for today. So thanks so much for tuning in and I will catch you on the next episode next week. Thanks so much. See ya. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.